we're always in a good place in the fact that he's my brother, he's my twin. But we've always been in a bad place because he's my brother, he's my twin. Because so there's a need for, I guess, our own identities. Matt, can fame ruin your life? Absolutely, can, I think. But I think fame is also a privileged place if you approach it in that way, you know. For myself, there have been times when it's felt like a prison. But as I get older, it, it's actually allowed me to ease into a place where I have this familiar face that allows me to hug and enjoy people. Um, it's the geography of your boat race, you know what I mean? It's like, people I know you. I'm like, I, I know you now, so let's have a hug and take a selfie and have a chat. Mm. So I think if you if you and it's also the people around you if they if they embrace it like it's a it's a fun fun thing and it's a, a privileged thing then I think then it becomes something that's really enjoyable. And what makes fame a prison at times? Um, for myself, I only speak for myself. Um, the one thing that I can't do without is my privacy. It's not ego, it's not like, oh, I need to get there in this vehicle. And It's the space I'm getting from A to B can be the time that you feel exhausted, maybe you feel overly observed. Um, I've been doing this for 38 years, so I've been observed for a long time. Um, so I think that's the one thing that I can't do with that is my privacy. It just comes down to something that simple. I enjoy my privacy. Um, I, I did therapy and, and my therapist says everyone deserves a private life. It gave me great comfort, you know. Um, but I feel that the prison side of it, and sometimes when you can get nervous about going out or you can feel, you have moments where you're not feeling good about yourself and you, you don't know whether you have, this, you know, I guess the emotional strength to go out and and be happy or on. Or, so I think that's that it can become that. But if you, what I've tried to do is just what you see is what you get with me. You know, if I'm happy, if I'm sad, if, if, I, if I change that, then, you know, I'm going to have to remember where I've buried the lies. You know, I don't want to remember where the lies are buried. I just want to say how I feel. And I think that isn't as prominent in some ways because I think, you know, social media and stuff like that is a much more, look at my life, it's so great. And it's not always the case. Sometimes you have to just say, I've been pretty shit today, you know, and then as long as somebody say, yeah, here's a hug or anything I can do, or then I think it's a much easier place to deal with. Mm. Going back, is there anything that could have prepared you for how big you got so quick, so young? Um, I think in some ways, and I think anyone that had real big, crazy success like we did when we were young, it's easier in a way, while it's happening. It's because you have a massive team around you, you have, you have three managers, you have offices, you have infrastructure. So I think in some ways it's easier because you're getting pulled along with this massive juggernaut of success and with success comes the appropriate teams, the appropriate budgets and stuff. And I think what happens is when that leaves you a bit, then you have to really acknowledge the fact that here, here lies the journey in front of me. 
which is real the real world and can I sustain a career doing something I love which is not normal you know my career comes from a, an instinctual place in my body as a writer as a singer as a performer so everything in my life is instinctual based it comes from instinct and then there's no real tangible thing you can say that you do because you know whether it's a bit of acting whether it's a bit of singing whether it's a bit of you know you have your own show in Vegas it's, it, you can't list one thing you can't list one thing and so I think that's sometimes challenging when you want to be logical about what you do but then like just coming off a tour you know I, I found out so much more about myself as an entertainer and I'm still learning you know and I think it's easier in the beginning and then you get into the journey. You said in your recent tour you learned things about yourself. What did you learn about yourself? I learned that um, more so than ever, I think, when I was in Vegas for 11 years, you know, you're constantly set on the audience. They are my main concern. But it was a showroom. On this tour, it was just so evident to me the only the only thing that would get me through the tour was my obsession with how the audience felt. There's one time I, I had a very tough, tough show. Uh, my manager Chris, after the the last song on the show, he says, "Go on, man, go back out. And you got the encore." And there was literally like an eye to eye moment, and I was like, "Okay, I went out and had the best encore of my life because I put so much energy into that encore." But digging deep on those moments and you just, you know, having family issues and, and you go out and you go, no, 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 this, these people, I'm a night out for these people. I'm, they've dressed up, they've put on their fragrance, they've got, they've made travel plans, babysitters, all that stuff mm. goes, through your, goes through my head. So that's what I've learned. I think, you know, it's the one thing that saves me is the thought of elevating an audience to an amazing place where they have the best time and me and my team can say we, we did it we did our absolute best and we prevailed and when you say that saves you what does it save you from giving up giving up mm. simple as that you know i think i've got enough under my belt to say i'm i'm proud of what i've done but there's a massive desire in me to just write the record i've always wanted to make you know but Right, the album I've always wanted to record, that still <coughs> continues to fuel me. Every time you think you've made a good record, you go, no, it's not quite the record. You know, um, so yeah, just wanting to prevail, wanting to still contribute to pop culture. You know, when you're in BAFTAs and you, you do a documentary and it goes down in top five best documentaries and stuff like that, you're still contributing. And that's what inspires me. I, I want to continue to contribute. You know. mm. So if I can't contribute, then I'll probably be in trouble. Mm. I loved watching your Netflix documentary. Really loved it. Um, I don't really ever talk about my wife on this show, but her two big crushes were George Michael and you. <laughs> oh, wow. and, and, and we watched it together. And I love art that um, is real and pure and has emotion and some pain in it. And that's what I felt all of those things through the Netflix documentary. Why was it called After the Screaming Stops? Well, the wonderful Terry Wogan, 
was somebody very dear to me. He always made me feel extremely safe. It's a beautiful word in my industry. He was always very respectful and he would always play my music. So I would be in America and I would, you know, and I'd hear that Terry was going to play my song. And it was always such a beautiful thing. It was a very big supporter. But we also, when we were in Bros, and he is his show, I think we did it like 10 times at least. And this one time we were playing uh, 15 nights at Wembley. And we had pro probably half of Wembley outside uh, the Terry Wogan show. Yeah. And he says to us, Matt, let me ask you, what happens after the screaming stops? And we went, you know, that was a question. Wow. What and how old were you at that time? 20s? Um, probably 20. Maybe not even 20. 19. That's a profound question, isn't yeah. it? And thankfully, if you look at that, that movie, when we come into the airport, I think people sometimes forget because of the nature of when things are released. That, that airport scene, with, you know, 700 plus people at the airport, was before the movie and before the O2 gigs. Right. So that was being filmed before the movie. So that was what our normal, I guess, life was, if it's known that we're coming into the airport, mm. which we, we let the fans know, and that joy that Luke received and the joy that I received when I came in to, from the airport, and um, that was the kind of the whole point of the movie is that, you know, it doesn't technically stop, fame doesn't go away. I think that's a big misconception. You know, when people, when you do reach a point of when people know your face, I don't know how you would get rid of that, you know. You know, you get in trouble and make it more infamous or more famous, but you don't, it doesn't suddenly dissolve into, into the sands of time. It actually becomes more, more prominent in a way. Mm. But I think it's a much more comfortable place for me now. Like, I, the constant, the constant hellos and the constant, you know, conversations resonates with the way I want to live my life. Mm. You know, people do get excited and I'm, you know, which is fun, but I love the conversation part of my life with, with the strangers that feel like we have a connection. Mm. Did it feel vulnerable doing that documentary? Yeah, it felt, the, the documentary in itself was, um, was the most incredible experience and almost one of the hardest experiences because, you know, when you are at the MD of your show, in, in America and like I was and and I know what I'm doing and and I said in the film I said it, it was it's like the never-ending apology with my brother um, and all I, all I was in Bross was the front man I was a singer of the Bross, of, of Bross and that um, that has caused a lot of issues between me and my brother and I had no idea I just joined the band Sang and then, in many ways, it's been an, uh, a reoccurring issue for me and my brother. And I just want to have a pint with him and see him more regularly, play video games with him in person as well, not just on we do play, but um, and not talk about work, not talk about business, not talk about music or acting. Or I just want to be brothers. I'm mm. really, really missing. Miss that side of my brother. And when did that side go away? I think it's always, you know, I think it's, 
I could say that it, it you know, we've, we, we've been, let me start again. We're always in a good place in the fact that he's my brother. He's my twin. But we've always been in a bad place because he's my brother, he's my twin. Because so there's a need for, I guess, our own identities that doesn't work, you know. But in my opinion, I think we both have our own identities. And I think going through what we did, Luke has a perception of what this country feels like to him. I think he prefers being away from it. Um, but when you look at our mortality, in which I do, you know, if I'm blessed with a long life, I still won't have enough time with my brother. If I'm blessed with a long life. And we, we tend to operate like we are immortal, but we're not. You and I will have to say goodbye to each other. I hope this is not the last time where we speak, you know. But we will have to say goodbye. I don't know which one first either. Because it's the nature of life, you know. So with my brother, I just want to, you know, fuck all the, the industry stuff. Let's connect as brothers first and foremost. And that's a good, I believe that's a great, I said it in business too, a good foundation for everything is let's focus on our, our similarities. And then once we have that bedrock and that foundation, then we can build upon that and address some of our differences. But you can't do it the other way around. If you only want to address your differences, then you will not be able to build on that. You have to have common ground, which, and I believe that's what we need to do. We just have to look at our similarities, look at the things we love, look at the things we both agree on. And then, dare I say it, then we can address some of the things that we don't agree on. Would you swap all the fame and the success you've had for the best relationship with your brother ever? No, I wouldn't. wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Why not? It's compromised. It's a compromise right. of my own life. You know, um, I'm really proud of what my life has been. I think, as my mum would say, we're big enough and ugly enough to, to sort it out. We have to sort it out, you know. When you have tough times, I really honestly believe some of those times are the reason if you can get through them, you actually go, this is a person that's also trying to stay in my life. Mm. And they're also trying to stay in mine and I'm trying to stay in theirs. So it's like, sometimes they're the moments that you actually see what you're made of, what the friendship's made of, what the love's made of. Mm. So no, I wouldn't. Not because I wouldn't want that. Thankfully, it's a very, very hypothetical question. But Why? No, because I'm... I'm, I'm mm currently on the journey of my life right now I'm revealing parts of my life with you that's been my life mm. you know mm. but I'm also aware that I don't want to cause anyone pain these are just my opinions you know yeah so my my sole wish would be that me and my brother can be the silly bastards that we are <laughs> and just get on with each other you know yeah what's stopping that it hasn't nothing stopping I think geography plays a big part in it you know he's in America now I'm here um you know, again, I can't speak for him. I think my brother really wants to um, find his own path. And but then to the mortality thing, that's just, you know, I also just want to go out and play with my brother and let Ross go out on the road every couple of years without fail. You know, mm. that would be something I, I could say yes now to my team and go, I'm up for it. But at the same time, it has to be harmonious because I'm tired. What's made you tired? Uh, life. Mm. Mm. Sitting here, I don't know if I think that's a good or a bad thing. Like if 
if you get to the end of your life and you're not tired, maybe you've not really lived a full life. That's a maybe, good point. Maybe being tired means you've wrung that flannel as much as you can. No, I think you maybe um, when you think of the word tired, you know, I've been on stage exhausted. I've come on and I've come off with renewed energy. Like, mm. No, being tired is part of part of life. I'm I'm thankful that I'm tired for the right reasons. Mm. I'm knackered. I've just got off a tour. So you're <laughs> yeah. seeing a battered version of Matt Gosh right now because I'm battered. And that's okay. Yeah. Listen, if I was just not going out there going, you know, lip syncing and no, I'm getting my hands dirty. I'm singing my heart and soul out. I'm listening to people that are, that, that are meet and greets that are happy or sad, terminally ill, fighting something. It's it's not just singing. It's, it's a complete commitment to to engage with people that you love. Mm. And it really is, I love my fans, I love what they go through. We have an incredible relationship. Mm. But it doesn't just say, oh Matt, we love your voice. It's not just that. It's so much more than that. And me being tired, I am grateful beyond words that I'm knackered. Because I'm knackered because I've been singing for the last six weeks. Mm. Um, And doing meet, meet and greets and touring and promo and TV and, you know, this was this is nice because I'm not promoting anything. Yeah. It's just not. I've come for a good old chinway, mm. you know. But it's good that we're all knackered. Yeah, you know. But we're enlivened as well. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, we have the best time, and but you know, you, there's no your analogy of ringing out a, a flannel. Yeah, it's it's not that. It's not. It's there's an there's a never-ending source of creativity. You just have to, I believe you have to, I'd rather write five great songs than a hundred, you know, that, that, that just like, because I can. I, I'm, I'm in the studio tomorrow, I'm looking forward to write one song, you know, but that will, may very well be the catalyst for another project and another album. But that's still in me. Mm. Yeah, 100% still in me that I'm looking forward I'm tired but I'm looking forward to going right and get some of this out tomorrow Harry and I have started in recent months on a conversation we want to go deep on Okay. and that is about art and pain uh-huh. so um, we interviewed Banksy's muse not long ago and I said to him um, can you have a happy great artist and at first he said well yeah of course and then the more he thought about all of the artists and inspiration and the music he loved, he couldn't name one really happy, great artist. And if I think of all the music I connect to the most and your songs the most, they seem to have the most pain in them. So can you be a happy, great artist or do you have to go through pain to create great art? Well, I love, I love one of the best questions I think I've ever been asked. So thank you for that. I have a tattoo that says never waste good agony. And I think that sums up how I feel. If managers, friends, partners, think that you can create something that actually affects somebody from a vacuous place, that is criminal. The reality is, as an artist, you have to look at every single thing in your life, and very often you can't stop it. Everything affects you. Everything affects you. And then the only way you know how to deal with it is write it down or create a chord sequence and a song and then just... um, but then you have to make sure that you can deliver that live with absolute conviction um, 
I think by the nature of what we do is that you are absolutely given everything you can and then people wonder why you might look a little translucent for a while. <laughs> like you can see, oh Matt, I can see your kidney and your liver and your right, and your right bicuspid valve. Are you lunar cave and you know, your right atrium looks a bit blocked. It's just like, um, I think that, I think that's the truth. It's like you do feel a little translucent after all of that. And I feel that right now. I feel a little bit worn thin. Um, and I feel, but, but I understand that battlefield. Do you know what I mean? This storm has a longitude and a latitude I both love and understand. It's, I understand where I am and I understand what I need to do. But I think then, you know, part of what I'm going through now even is, is trying to create the right amount of balance. Although this is the country I was born in, I've come from America for 25 years where success is a phenomenally good word. Opportunity, 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 and you just keep moving with it. Here sometimes there is a, a willingness, to, I think, or almost a desire to keep people locked in. Like for me, Matt Goss from Ross, I think I'm like a five foot two guy that's like, me, 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 and it's like, no, I'm six two, and I'm like, <laughs> and I have a, a strong will and a desire to at least leave this planet and have things that I'm very, very proud of. Because I have a feeling, inherent, uh, an inherent feeling that the only things that will get left behind are the, are the things that actually have substance. And the easy buck or the easy option is not always the one to take. I think the no's in this industry are so important as well as the yeses. And sometimes I think the no's can be misinterpreted as ego. But really it's a self-preservation button that you sometimes have to press because you know that there's judgment around that and you're constantly trying to navigate that that minefield and sometimes just within your own artistic desire to create something really beautiful we're all inspired i'm also inspired by george michael and as well and because those budgets and those decisions are easier to make when you have that support system where you can actually so this is how i want it to look i've not always had that you know Sometimes you have to try and massage it and, and, and polish it as much as you can. Mm. It might not quite get to where you want it to. Um, and my hope in my life is that I get to that place where I can, anything I do, it can be done exactly how I want it. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned about the nose can be really important. Mm -hmm. um, I have this feeling that people are living a life they wish they did more in because they're worried about that rejection. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like if I don't get some hard emotional rejections every day, I'm not doing enough. But every day I have to wake up with energy to go and get that hard rejection. Right. At the moment, Harry and I are training for a fight. Okay. Um, and it's a weird thing because we've never done anything like it before. And I'm having to spar with people who are 10 years experience in boxing, getting in the ring with people who are much better than me. Right. And the emotion you have to you yeah. know, carry with that knowing that at the end when I win and I raise 130,000 for charity and I've overcome that demon, it's going to be amazing. But every day you have to wake up and say, I've got to take the rejection, got to take the beatings. But I feel like on the other side of that is where all the success is and all the self-worth is. But how, how, how can people face that every day without getting tired? Well, you just explained an analogy for life. You've got to get in the ring again. So it's not just, it was you quite rightly said. I'm 44, I don't need to do this shit. I 
I boxed for 22 years, so I love I love boxing. It's one of my deepest loves. Yeah. Exercise, while I box half of my life. Wow. Um, but I think that the, what you just said is is a perfect analogy for all of us. Like, why get in the ring again? You know, yeah. is it about the winning or is it about is it about the actual the engagement? I think it's the engagement. And, you know, if you were thinking like, let's say you don't win, like, let's but let's say you don't. Are you still connected to the outcome? I don't. I don't feel as it's it's as productive to be connected to the outcome. And I'm not trying to be living the now guy. Mm. But when you're in the present presence of engagement, that is exhilarating. No mm. matter what happens. So if you are engaged, which means you are on the playing field, you know, I often say it's a simple analogy, but like, if you don't get and play, on, get on the field, some you're on the bench. Yeah. Now you're on or the bench. Or in the crowd. Yeah. 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 Well, I have a feeling you and I would not be in the crowd. We'd be in the. We'd be at least on the bench. But, yeah. So we we are. Don't like being on the bench. No, no. But that's the thing. That's the now. The engagement is much more exhilarating than if you win or lose. Yeah. The intention of you wanting to win and raise money. I take it you're going to make money whether you win or lose. Yeah, I don't need to do this. Yeah. So that to me is what's important about what you're doing. You've actually got off your ass and said, I'm going to make a difference today in the way I do it. I'm mm. going to challenge myself, which is engagement. I'm going to get in the ring every day, which is engagement. And I think when that bell goes, you're not going to be like, you're just going to be happy you had all of those experiences because, and then I have a feeling, don't know you very well, but you'll be like, now what? <laughs> no, exactly. not one and done, that'll be me. I'm not <laughs> No, but I'm not saying boxing, but you're next. Well, we're already talking about what's next. Exactly. And I think that's also important is that one of my dear friends and somebody I respect greatly as a manager is is a guy called Jack Rovner. Manages some of the greatest bands in the world. He says, follow through, follow through, follow through. That's what he always says. And I never forget those words. And follow through is engagement. Follow through is actually saying, I am going to be involved contributing to pop culture, contributing to some form of creativity, mm. whether it generates business or whatever. But you, I think the day you stop loving the engagement, and even through, as I say, some of the experiences I've had that have been that have been hard work, they're hard work because I'm still doing what I love. And I think the ego, to what you just said, can get attached to the win or losing. Mm. I think the, but the, the person you are, and why you're successful is because you like getting your hands dirty mm. and you like being in the mix. Yeah. You know, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong. And sometimes, let's say people have taken that first step and whatever it is they know they've got to do, they're doing. But they're deep into it and they're thinking, why the f am I doing this? How do you keep going? I think, again, if you are asking, why the f am I doing this? It will only make you. Uh, it'll only make you answer that question, and invariably you'll go because I love it. Yeah. You know, often you will say because I love this, and often in careers that are difficult, um, and the guarantees are very elusive. You know. Stroke non-existent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when they do hit, and you. It's incredible. It's you can see how lucky you are mm. when in business, even when things hit because you've struggled and mm. it's something you love doing. That I think the high is incredible, but it's. It, I go back to what I said: the the being involved. If you're in something long enough, 
being involved is a magical thing. Because yeah. the other side of it is you're not being involved. Like I wanted to sing for the coronation. I'm a royalist. I love, I love, I love what, what they stand for. I love, you know, I know the, you know, the, there are people on the other side of the argument. But for me, being abroad, coming back here, knowing what they do, what that whole institution does for mm. this country, I'm a proud royalist. But I also understand why that I'm not included in the. I don't understand, as in I know what I can do. I know I can bring one. Managers know very well what I could do for that event, but not be included is something I have to take on the chin. Does it piss me off? Absolutely. But it isn't the last thing that I'll be doing. There'll be something else, you know, right? I mean, there's always something else, as my manager. Yeah. <laughs> is that a question or a statement? No, no, but it's, it's, it's yeah. acknowledgement. Like, I've never, I kind of took it, we took it on the chin, and we, but we're both like, you know, what? because we, we've just come off tour, we know exactly what we do to a crowd. Mm. But, that's something very, very personal to me that I've not spoken about. I really wanted to be involved. Um, but the laws of, you know, the way the industry works is the younger artists or whatever, certain artists will be included. And you just have to ha take those things on the chin that feel very personal, but they're not personal. Mm. It's a decision made by a bunch of people. And, and that's what I'm trying to say. Like, there are so many things that feel personal but that aren't personal and I think as an artist that I have learned I have learned you know you, I'm not saying it's immediate but then you, you you think about a situation you go okay I get this have I been the immediate go-to for those events yeah and then there are moments when you're not the immediate go-to and then there are also moments where you will be included and you're like, oh wow, it's amazing that they did you pick that up? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well he's going to leave that in. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but um, but I think that you that you get just as many surprises, right? You get like you'll get an offer, saying to Chris again, but you'll get an offer, and you'll be like, oh, that feels nice. Yeah. You know, say, so would you like to be involved? And you go, oh, that's great. Something you weren't expecting. Mm. But I think with this, you just have to pace yourself. Um, to your question, you have to pace yourself. Yeah. And just remind yourself that you're engaged mm. and you're in you're in the game. Yeah. You're on the pitch. Yeah. You know, would you rather be on the pitch and not score a goal or be on the bench and not score a goal? I mean it's like the same if you're only about scoring goals, you might as well sit on the bench. Mm. Really. If you want to contribute, cross it, you know move it to the side, let your, let your teammate get the glory, mm. but you're part of that contribution. I think that's where I am in my life. I'm just really grateful that I am still contributing in one way or other. And it's sometimes music, sometimes it's conversation with you, you know, but it's still contributing. Mm. That word contributions come up a lot. And I've got this theory, because um, a lot of people in the world right now seem to be saying that the purpose of life is happiness. And I think that's a very alluring yeah. belief to take. Sounds like it should be on the back of a cigarette packet. <laughs> yeah. But the problem, I think, with thinking that the purpose of life is happiness is that happiness is so transient that if you have the expectation that you can get to the destination of happiness, right. it will always be elusive, and that's where the pain is. And you've talked a lot about contribution and being in the game. So do you think the purpose of life is happiness? Or is it things like progress, contribution, which have pain attached to them? Well, I think you're, you know, you're a couple of questions in there, and I want to respect all your points. 
Yeah, sorry, I normally only want three at a time. I like the three at a time thing. Yeah. But I think that, first of all, that's a very subjective question. What is happiness? Do you know what I mean? Like, for me, sometimes the simplest thing, sitting on a bench with a thermos flask of gin and tonic listening to Midnight Chime in, you know, on the embankment in London is, is pure happiness for me, you know? be on the beach, could be cuddling my dog, having a kiss and cuddling with my missus, you know. There's so many things, the simple, simple things that make me happy as well, like many other people watching this, you know. So is the purpose of life to be happy? Yeah. If part of that happiness includes making the people around you happy, there's a great distress comes within me if I'm not, if I don't feel people around me are happy. If but again, I have to come back to contribution because when I look at my life and I feel like, what am I really proud of? You know, you're not really meant to talk about this stuff, but my United Nations Humanitarian Award, I know what went into it. I know why I did it. It was in some ways a selfish time in my life in the fact that I wanted to show my mother that I could contribute. I could dare to face some of those scary words that it is from a disease she died of. But I remember being in Philadelphia. I remember being in Times Square, uh, Los Angeles and Washington, all with a couple of hundred thousand people. And I wrote a song called Strong and created hashtag Strong Initiative with Susan G. Komen. But also part of that performance and raising money right, to get in there with everybody that was suffering which brought me straight back to my pain with my mother. Um, but I remember having to take a couple of months off from it. But although I was tired and I felt, I felt like I'd, again, so to use the word, but I'd contribute, you know. And when you give, I, have, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you do give, uh, I've no, I notice that things come back to you, you know. And I just have seen that in my life. So I think, although it can be tiring and somewhat lonely, I guess, in some ways, um, if, it, if you don't feel it's reciprocal, but you're still engaged, you're still, you still, if you're aware of what you're doing, I think happiness for me is being able to look at yourself in the mirror and go, okay, you know, I've apologised today. And apologize if you, but if you can look at yourself and say, as a whole, I know I'm a good man or a good woman or whatever you identify as, look at yourself in the mirror. And I think that gives me great happiness. If I can say, I, I like who I am, I think I'll probably get another shot. You know, the powers that be might give me another shot, another life. You know, I want to do as much as I can. But I have, it does start with you and you can't yourself, you can't lie to yourself. If you look at yourself in the mirror and go, I like what I did today. You know, and if you didn't, make sure the people around you know that you didn't like it. Mm. There's no, uh, I think, I think that's, that's happiness to me. Mm. Sorry for the long winded answer. No apologies needed. <laughs> um, are you lonely? At times, at times. I think that, um, 
I think what happens is to one of your questions before, when you're known, I think there's there's such consequence on speaking really freely. Um, I hope that you sense that I am speaking my mind, but everything I say could easily involve other people about what I want to speak about. But then you're subjecting people to your life. You're literally subjecting people to your life, and that's not fair. So that restriction can create loneliness because when you want to speak freely, it would often involves other people. Mm. In a conversation, a dinner, you can speak to other people and know that it's with with sophisticated people. It's just a conversation, but in this forum, it's there forever. You you, you are, and I don't want to. I'll never be a man that doesn't operate from a place of discretion. I think it's a very, very, very beautiful commodity. I think discretion is something that you must surround yourself, if possible. And the sophistication of it, it's not just the word, it's the people that inherently understand it. Do you think that's dying out a bit, discretion in our culture? No, I don't. I could be pessimistic and focusing on some of maybe the, you know, the immediate fix side mm. of cultures, you know. The, but I think I have witnessed beautiful elements of this country, certainly, and, and I'm a working class boy and that's been lucky enough to, to experience beautiful things, and, but through hard work and being out on the road with you know, thousands of people and seeing them and how discreet they are, how sophisticated they are through their pain even, you know, people that are not well coming to a show like I can only admire that I don't know if I could do that you know somebody that gets stressed up and wants to feel that experience that's such strength to me and mm. wisdom in a way you know uh, mm. that I have learned uh, that you have to let it permeate your, your DNA you mm. know but I do think you know people like the royal family when you see them being spoken of yeah um don't ever, don't anyone ever forget that their discretion, it should be admired. Yeah. Just because they don't speak. I agree. Doesn't mean that they don't have the pain. queen. Yes. The queen, the million things she could have said yeah. that she didn't yeah. say. That is. And also now though, there's a, you know, you know, you can take whatever side you want. It's almost fashionable to take one side. But it doesn't come down to what's what's cool and what isn't cool. Discretion can often be uh, a violent place. Because this discretion will come along with the battering of opinion. Battering, the battering of opinion. They have to stand, and if the discretion is strong and sophisticated, that discretion will hold fast. And that's what they do. Mm. Even through a battering. Even through a battering. Um, go online and see what, they, mm. what, that, what the royal family contribute in tourism. Oh, people don't understand Billions. what that. No, they don't understand. You know, really, it's like one of the biggest attractions in the whole world. Yeah, and you know what? Their schedule. Oh, come on. Yeah. I mean, I take my hat off to their schedule. Yeah. I mean, this. Uh, it would. You know, I like it because it is controversial. But I really think anyone that wants to argue with this with discussion, I'm up for that that discussion. Yeah. Well, 
I'm really glad we've talked about it. I don't think I've talked about this on a show, and we're over 900 episodes in, so I want to stay on this point. Because, um, you know, I'm a fairly novice boxer with this first fight, and I think discretion in boxing is when someone more experienced it with you spars at your level and pushes you hard, but controls yeah. and doesn't just, you know, annihilate you Respect for you. the sake of it. Respect yeah, that, and that's discretion of power and I, I, I tried to live my life whereby I wouldn't say anything to some about someone behind their back that I would to their face. And I'm not I'm not hu- I'm a human so sometimes I make mistakes. But I always feel f- worse mm-hmm. if I I'm loose with my tongue and never regret holding it in and not saying it. Exactly right. yeah. Have my back behind my back is my saying. Yes. Have my back behind my back. I think the thing is is that and we've we've recently had this discussion is that sometimes the noise around you um, can speak for you, and just by and I've learned that when somebody speaks around you, you're and it, you're by definition you are now part of that conversation. Mm. So it might as well come from you. Yeah, you literally have to say stop that because if you continue, I'll a have to leave the table or I'll have to inform somebody that's what's been saying. But very often guilty, guilty by association. So you also have to educate the people around you to quieten down as well and have that discretion. Um, and in regards to your, the, the person that's teaching you to box, he's invested in your own, in your acquire, you acquiring wisdom. Mm. So he's, you know, there's that saying, what is it? Is, um, so if you say to me, I, you taught me everything you know, and I say, yeah, but I didn't teach you everything I know. So yeah. we decide what information that we give. Often when you see the teacher, the assumption is that the, the, the pupil is, is, is now as good as. But in all teaching, um, you, you, you give what, what you think is necessary, right? Mm, mm. I receive what I think is necessary. If the day I stop learning is the day I'm gone. You know, mm. Only a fool knows everything. And I have to keep learning. Um, but I love your, what you said about the fight, is that, that his composure and his decency is allowing you to learn. Mm. Although he could completely ruin the experience for you. Yeah. He's... He's choosing to teach you what he knows, but not everything he knows. Mm. And that's up to you to continue or, and I think that's the beautiful exchange of power. Like we decide how much we, we tell somebody or enliven somebody. And I think it is wise to sometimes hold things back, even acknowledge until you feel there's a commitment mm. to somebody that wants to come along with you for that journey. Yeah. Yeah, in a way, I, I am, I'm frustrated by social media and how it's making us all scream louder and louder and louder and jump up and down, up and down, up and down. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like there's wisdom in silence. In board meetings, I say less than I've ever said, and I probably know more about business than I've ever known. Yep. And I think that silence is really important. But clickbait, thumbnails, getting attention, getting the views. So there seems to be these values we're talking about of discretion. But wrestling with if we can't get attention how can we build a career do you have that is is there that tension in you whereby you know you could probably be a bit gimmicky and clickbaity and you could be bigger for example yeah well when you say i could be bigger that's interesting because i was wanting to answer the other stuff but you you ended it on that oh no no please do that no no we can come back to that no no i want to i want to address that because You actually just, you actually un, unintentionally, I think, probably are talking about exactly what I could be bigger, right? If I was a clickbait. Now, I don't really align with that because 
38 years doing what I'm doing, you know, I know many people that have likes, manipulated views, manipulated likes, manipulated followers, that it might be great for a conversation down in a restaurant or a pub, but what does it really mean? Like, are those people, do those people, let me ask your, 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 your opinion on this, because I know what I think. If you meet somebody who's got millions of followers, would you bet your life on it that they could advertise they're going to go and play the guitar down the road and all of those followers would turn up? No. No, it's an easy no. Well, you're, back to your word, engaged. Yeah. It's about engagement, isn't it, more than... Yeah, I had this, I had this, this, sketch, this comedy sketch of this horrible thing, so I'm going to say it, where I imagine this, this, you know, 15 years' time, like this, you know, this TV show about a bunch of influencers that are all living in the same cul-de-sac. And they've all got garages full of free moisturiser and, <laughs> and face masks, you know, and water bottles. You know, I mean, a lot, a lot of this engagement comes from free from companies that will send, mm. you know, and that doesn't pay the bills. Um, I would way rather downscale and just be like, look, I've got a beautiful audience that I'm going to be playing to for the rest of my life. I believe I'm at that point that I'll always have an audience. Mm. And that's a beautiful thing to me. Yeah. So bigger, would I rather have 20 million followers on my Instagram and get some and, you know, if what, what everyone if it was getting, Rolex Daytona, every single Rolex Daytona you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, but that's not simply not it though, because no. it's just, it's not how it works. No. It's just not how it works. You and I both know that a lot of this is smoke and mirrors. Mm. And, but it isn't when people turn up to see you. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, so that answers, hopefully answers the question, I'd be bigger yeah. because I have, a, I have more followers. Thankfully, I find that quite comical. Yeah. In the fact that if I had 20 million followers, I'd be a bigger star. No, that isn't how I think. No. I think, and nor, honestly, I would advise everyone that wants a career to go out and attain an audience in the flesh. Yeah. You know, so you can go, they're tangible people. It doesn't matter what that number is, but yeah. at least you can you can base it on something. Followers, you you know, I know because I've followed people that I, I probably haven't liked something in two years. Yeah. You know, because there's also a nice feeling if you're following something they're interesting, but it's just it, it, I forget the first part of your um, your question now, but Well, if I'm honest, mm -hmm. which I should be yeah. I was really more talking about me than you in the sense that um, I have this tension with Harry all the time because Harry is our head producer uh -huh. and you know his job is to grow the audience, right. create great content. Yeah. So he, he loves the spicy thumbnail, a shock horror. Yeah, yeah. You know, he wants to pick out the most controversial bit. Yeah. And, I, and you know, he wants the most spicy headline. And I get that, that's his job. Well, I didn't know that coming into this. <laughs> For me, I wouldn't even have a thumbnail. I'm like, think, there's the art. But I also think outside the shock the factor, I think there's also something to be said for something that's interesting. Imagine that. When you go, that interests me. And there is just as much power in something being interesting as something being sensationalized. Because people have become um, Detuned from sensation. But how do, how do you get people to see interesting if there isn't that initial hook in? You, are you a rebel? I don't think so. I think maybe if I'm a rebel, maybe I speak my mind. You know, I don't think I'm a rebel. Mm. I don't like anarchy. 
you know, I'm not, you know, I like order. I think there's a lot to be said for order, but you can still have freedom within that order, you know. Mm. Stop at a red light's a good idea, isn't it? Um, yeah. But, but, uh, but if you're if you're able to just live your life with a little more, say, okay, I pay my taxes, I'm doing, my, I, I live my live my best life, and I'm not, you know, to drive through a town. I mean, think about it. To drive through a town that you are going to get, you know, fleeced on so many levels. Even the kind of car you're driving. Yeah. And I'm learning all this just being on tour, and Chris is going, "Oh, is this what is it? Is this car covered? Yeah. Is this car covered? What was that? Done a thousand pounds worth of fines driving around the country. Yeah. Not not just one one vehicle, but a couple of vehicles. Yeah. But you know, doing a tour, it's just you know, yeah. bus lanes and ulezes and congestions. And yeah. Thousand, thousand quid in tours, just going on tour. <laughs> just if but, and he's like, but you're accepting it on every city. All right, we've got that on there. We got a, one there. That's a stealth tax, then. It's a stealth tax. It's exactly. more tax, isn't it? Yes. Because obviously, putting your income or your corporation tax up would cause a hoo ha. But just more little taxes here and there, and before you know it. But the know. people that have co- that have businesses and can handle that knock easier, that's one that that's. Well, I mean, it's still hard, isn't it? Absorbed, but yes, yeah. you still have to think about it. But the people that are hand to mouth and raising a family and should be allowed to have the joy of coming in and and I would rather, as people say, that you're 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 exempt from paying anything because bringing in the family. Why should we be cancelled by social media? Shouldn't we be given a fair trial? Why is it jury by well, social I think, media? I think it's very like it's it's so um, what's the word? It, it, um, selective. It's extremely selective when they can you know, say that you're no longer verified. They started the rules, didn't they? That's how it started. You 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 work your ass off. You verified. Now it's I'm taking that away from you. And now you've just bought yourself a blue and not a gold one, apparently, or you, which <laughs> we've agreed is yellow. <laughs> yeah. um, and that very, you know, they can create the rules, change the rules. I mean, if it was a business, it would be in turmoil. If, if you're going to work and somebody, oh, no, you're not, in, you're not in that department anymore. You're going to go and be, you're an engineer today. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you're not an accountant, you're going to build engines today. It's exactly what social media has become. It's like, you know, what's next? You know, what's next? It's just, a, it's, it will be a subscription business. Um, what social media? Yeah, yeah, it will become a subscription business, and you, the, I, I'm pretty much sure the more money you spend on it, the more freedom you'll have. Mm. That's what I honestly think it will end up. Having. Yeah. Oh yeah, you spent this with this much. Okay, you're a valued customer, which you probably are now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got my blue badge taken away, and then I immediately went up and signed up to Twitter Blue. Yeah. I'm the fuck. I'm so the why, idiot. So let me ask you this question because this is interesting. Yeah. Why, if you bought the blue, why wouldn't you buy the gold? Well, the blue's what for, let's say, eleven pound a month. The gold is uh, gold is over a thousand a month. So I guess what I'd do, because you know we, we make good money, but I still have to justify all expenses. I think that's really important, even the small ones. So honestly, I would sign up for the gold if I could get an ROI on it, and I wouldn't if I. But didn't. why? But what? Have do you honestly? Because I think you know I'm kind of joking, but have you bought into that? Do you want a gold, gold, uh, gold tick? Uh, uh, no. What do you mean? As in, I just want the badge. <laughs> do you want? But why? You said if I could get it as a write-off, is what you're saying, right? You'd, you'd get an a, ROI. Yeah. Yeah. So if I could invest, let's say a thousand a month yeah. in the gold, and I could make five grand yeah. a month back, I'd do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Well, but why don't you say so you want the gold? <laughs> I love gold, yeah. yeah. I love gold watches. But you want the gold tip. <laughs> but you're thinking about it, which means, but why do you want it? But I'm at the point where I don't even give a shit anymore because somebody else is going to buy a gold, somebody else is going to buy a blue. Yeah. So none okay. of us are really verified anymore. You're just really buying a, a more expensive... I mean, it's a very expensive yellow check mark. Yeah, well, uh, but I'm my brain thinking about it is business. But it, uh, yeah. to your business brain, which what's stopping everybody saying that they are you? 10, 20, 30 people saying they are your business well, because they're verified. Yeah, I suppose. Well, they're not going to probably pay for the gold, are they? No, but if they pay for the blue and get a couple more million. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's. But that's what is happening. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, so what is going to happen? Uh, is that not cannibalizing your business? Because of some, yeah. some guy that doesn't need, let's be honest, he doesn't need to do this. Elon. Yeah. Yeah, no. See, when he, when he took over Twitter, I was quite excited because I thought we're going to have more better free speech yeah. and less cancel culture. And I thought the other social media platforms would have to follow. I also understand from a business, if Twitter's losing billions, he's got to do something, otherwise the company's gone. Yeah. So I get that, but... Yeah, the big the big part of the verification that I think is a scam is so. For example, on Telegram, I have hundreds of imitators pretending to be me. They don't they don't um, cancel accounts properly on Telegram, and they're trying to sell all my customers crypto. And we're having to block them. uh, You can't do dozens a day. Just I've got something to show Chris from Telegram. Like uh, we would like to go through. You talk to you and. Send money. Blah, yeah. Blah, blah. But the only... The blue tick is the only thing that only makes you legit. It's the only, but if they're... Yeah. Happy, now it's a... Now you can buy it for £11 a month. 11, yeah, yeah, 11 or whatever months. it is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... I know why he's doing it, because he needs to make it make profit. Exactly. But... Uh, so, and, and yeah, essentially it's becoming a pay-to-play, isn't it? Or oh, you pay money, you'll get more engagement. But do you not think that having given the right to have a su- subscribe to Twitter... And keeping the verifications there. Yeah, why couldn't he have done that? Why couldn't the blue tick stay? Two quid a month. Yeah. A quid a month. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I all the I people all the people with the blue ticks are probably all the people that would pay for the subscriptions. So I guess if he let everyone have a blue tick, keep the blue tick. Well, I think 12 quid a year, but it's a much, much broader, I think, uh, yeah. Yeah, pool he can, of income. I think yeah. most people say quid a month, Yeah, 12 pound a year. Yeah, from everybody on on Twitter, I think that's not, that would be like okay, that's yeah, it would be smarter to me to actually have that big subscription across the board. I think a lot of people say yeah, a pound a month. Yeah. Then, yeah. Then to put it onto the verification, which actually is the only thing, in my opinion, that keeps that forum safe. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, the I mean, you must have it much more than me, but the amount of fake spam, troll, exhausted, imitation exhausted. accounts. It's a full-time job. Well, he's nodding yeah. his head away there. And me, yeah. And because you just want to do what you do, yeah. which is create your art. And, and, and you can easily shut it down and say, listen, blue check marks, only verified account. Everything yeah, else yeah that's you're, it. You're on your that's own. That's your line, isn't yeah. it? I never DM you and I have a blue tick. Yes. <laughs> now, yeah, yeah, it does upset me. Yeah. So um, in a way, this is a bit of a therapy session for me and I always love those kind of discussions the most because... I still have this paradox inside me whereby, you know, you don't need to be bigger. As a content creator, I have that paradox whereby um, sometimes some of my best conversations don't get the best views. And sometimes, you know, maybe 
content that's just a little bit more gimmicky or you're not the, the most proud of gets the most views. And I, and I sit more of the artist in me, which is just like, just want to create great art. And if you like it, I'm happy. And if you don't, I'm happy. Harry's got to justify his, you know, his job and his role. Um, I've got a strong opinion about this. Yeah, that please. Yeah, yeah. I think you're a f***ing idiot if you don't chase the art. That's what I think. If you don't chase the art, you're going to die, bro. You're going to die. Yeah. Chase the art. Chase the art. You will always make something that's interesting. I hear great things about you. Thank you. And that's why I'm here. Yeah. Genuinely. Yeah. You don't need me even bigger, bigger. As you call uh, people no, but me. Like, this no. for me is art. Because um, ever since watching that documentary, I, I made it my mission that we'd be sitting and having a chat. Amazing. Um, and so to me, this is art. And uh, with half the stuff we talked about, it's not on my questions. I, I have an inherent belief meeting you, honestly. A, I think we'll probably become good mates. Uh, I like your style. Thank you. Um, as in as a, as the way you are. Mm. But I also think that you, I, I would have absolute faith that you would always be okay in this medium if you follow the art. Mm. I'm not saying what you're saying, that, um, but you also have to allow him to, ju- you set the parameters of what he has to justify. If you say to him, now I want you to justify a really brilliant, interesting, and don't worry about so, but I do want this to be a very interesting podcast. That is gonna be, that's now you're creating the parameters that he works on, mm. maybe. I'm not sure where your parameters are, but you have to come up with the, 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 the you know, the clickbait. Um, yeah, because it just makes me feel sick even thinking that we chase clicks. Well, but I think, it, it is our art if it's in a vacuum. I think no, I think I know. I don't know about that. I think that I think you'll end up getting approached by things you could only dream of when you create something that's continuously really good, mm. continuously interesting, continuously in, you know, enlightened or, or maybe not enlightened, but it's candid. I think candor is really honest. Mm. Right now I've said stuff that I'm exhausted, I don't know if I've got it right or got it wrong, but it is how I feel, I'm knackered and I'm happy to be here. It's gonna be the last bit of promo I do for a good, a good month. Mm. I will not go near anything. Well, thanks for fitting um, us in. No, 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 but I'm just, but I'm glad meeting you you're this kind of person you're generous generous of spirit you, you know um that's much you're giving me something to go on with today um and i'm grateful for that mm. so if you don't chase the art then really well you know then it's just vanity yeah then it's just vanity you don't think that there are things that i could do that pay through the roof and are not necessarily aligned with how i feel mm. He wouldn't let me do it, let alone myself, no. right? No. There are things that you'd be like, absolutely not. If I, I also believe, I said, oh, I think I'm gonna do this. He'd be like, no. You know, we have, we do have that trust. But yeah. he also is an artist that, that I want to do things that I'm proud of. Mm. And for myself, you're just that guy, man. You're just that guy. You're always gonna do great stuff. Mm. And you just have that, you don't need to do it either. No. Um, Harry, thank you, Matt. What, what are your thoughts on this discussion? Because this will be our subject now for the two and a half hour journey back because Harry okay. also drives my cars up and down. Okay. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on this discussion? Yeah, it's very eye-opening. I mean, my approach to what we do is the who is model. Like, come for the tips, but you stay for the chicken. 
<laughs> I don't know anyone that. I don't know anyone that's, I don't know many people. I don't know many people that have stayed for the chicken. That's honest. I think you. Yeah. I don't think many people have stayed for the chicken. You just no. No. My job is to get the views. So some of the best content we've made is done all right. But as soon as I put the gimmicky clickbait titles and thumbnail on, they then get millions of views. I also think that you can get seduced by views. What do you want? What do you want? You want views or you want a certain clientele? That's really what I'm, that's what you should really be chasing. You should chase, because if it makes you feel validated that you've got more views, or would you rather have more views or more comments? More comments? Yeah, why? Yeah. Because people have engagement, they're more engaged. Yeah, and they feel like they need to write about it. Yeah. Do you understand to actually write something in person? You might, I'm not like, yeah. like, sometimes I have to because I feel strongly about it. Whatever you think, what you're going to say to me, that's easy. When somebody actually writes a comment, that is a big decision for people. When they're like, I need to write something, for a lot of people, not everyone, but when they, some people just like, and there, and there, <laughs> yeah. but people like ourselves, probably it's you, you write something because you just want to let them know that that affected me today. Yeah. Because I, I, I have posts that, you know, that get so many more likes or, but when the engagement, I remember one of the last things, you know, you get 500 comments on a, on a pitch, uh, on a post that, and they're that long there. It's just a constant mm. stream of, 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 of conversation and opinion. And I mean, are you his boss? Yeah, but yeah. I don't, I, I try well, not to, Well, yeah. I, I want to say, okay, so you're his boss. If you were to move his goalposts and say, I, I do that every six I months. Know, I, know, <laughs> yeah. I have no doubt. He's but, earning a lot of money now. But, but, his, but, but I'm sure he's prideful of why he owns that money. If his parameters are getting clicks, then why would you expect anything else but wanting clicks? Yeah. For somebody to push you, it's a much braver stance in my opinion, for somebody to push you to create more content that you can actually align with and that you are passionate about. Say, oh, I've lost some followers here, lost 100,000 followers here, but I've gained 20,000 really, really committed people that what are interested to what I'm talking about or the candor that I'm influencing with my guests. What's more important? The latter. I don't give a shit about likes or if I'm creating something that in but 10 years' Matt time- But you're Matt Goss No, but you Frost. are also the top of your game. <laughs> yeah. You're the top of your game and in 10 years from now when you're my age and you are an untouchable guy because you decided to create content that just people can't do without. Yeah. Click, click, yeah, whatever, mm. whatever. Yeah. Really? Yeah, you've just um, occupied the next three hours of I our so. life. I yeah, yeah. I hope so. I mean, I love having this conversation. And do you know yeah. what he's, do you know what he's made of on the other side of the point about click? Do you know, do you know, do you know how interesting he is? Who, Harry? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is, is he a clickbait-based kind of guy? Has he, has he got? Is he a, I, I, is he no, a thinker? I, Harry says, "What is it? Meaning? Go on. Say what you say to me." My favorite podcast and our content is find interesting people and have world-class conversations. Bravo. Bravo. Which I think this is both of those. <clears throat> but bravo. So you bridle him with wages. You bridle him with wages and expectations, and what do you expect him to do except run the lane that you put him in? Take his bridle off, and you have to be ready. He might outrun you, but he's on your team. Mm. I can see him through the mirror there behind you. <laughs> see Harry's face. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah.
I mean, the reason I can say it is because what you do, I can always already tell you're great what you do. You can feel it. Mm. And I've been in some situations, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. This is going to be a soundbite, a little thing. And they're, and the thing is, my audience, certainly my audience, don't want a soundbite-based podcast from me. They want to know what's going on. Yeah. They want to know what's going on. Yeah. Them. What are you excited about at the moment? I'm excited about, I'm excited about the record I've just made, the Experience album. It, it was recorded at Abbey Road. It's a beautiful record. Um, it's absurdly musical. It's absurdly musical. And the musicality in it, I would like people to see um, the musicality that I, that I have in me. Um, but to, to record with an orchestra and a big band in Abbey Road. My manager Chris is going to sort out the details because there are details that go along with an asset like that mm. and it is going to be respected. Um, I'm excited about... Uh, I'm excited about potentially getting into acting. Um, again, I, I don't really want to be an actor, but I would like to... You know, I've written a, I'm up for a brilliant movie right now, a, a, a script called Cobbler Killer Stranger. It plays a really dark guy. Uh, and another film um, that play music producer. And so that's nice. Um, but again, there was you know, a very, very well-known TV show in, in the UK that asked me to be involved recently, and I just said no, because it's not where I want to be. I, wanna, I have a dream. I have a blank canvas for my management team. And why, why put one brush mark on that blank canvas? Uh, unless uh, if we have to, if we have, if we are able to, then I want it to be really good brush strokes, because blank canvases. When you get to a certain time in your life, are uh, luxury. That's pure luxury as an artist. Mm. If you've not touched it and you and you can learn all your mistakes and say like, well, let's not do that. Let's not do that. But let's do this and, and create another part of my creative world is uh, it's exciting to me i'm also excited about taking some time off embedding myself in some of the parks in london some of the museums and my relationship with my girlfriend uh, my relationship with my manager um i've been on my back foot a little bit in the fact that i'm just tired now, and i want to focus on some of the things that will align me with the people around me that so they a feel loved by me and i and b i feel loved and then we can go and conquer. I'm just not one of those guys you should ever count out because I continuously contribute to pop culture. Um, you know, in the last couple of years of BAFTA, a British tour, you know, number top 10 album, and all in the last year and a half, uh, in the last couple of years. And I feel very, very um, excited about that I'm with people that understand that I've got to take a month off. I've got to do it for myself. Mm. Let me shave my hair off, and uh, put too much detail. In. <laughs> but why not? But I am. I'm gonna shave my hair off. Uh, What's I don't the reason? To, I don't want to feel ready for camera. I don't right. want to. I don't want to feel ready, camera ready. I want to be. I want to get camera ready again, because part of my exhaustion is, is I can't wait to be more exhausted because I feel better. I'm an absolute nut job when it comes to this stuff like I will be in better shape in one month from now and I will take continue my boxing and my Pilates and 
I'm eating bucket loads of watercrest, you know, <laughs> and, but I will be that guy. And I, mm. through my exhaustion, I'll get more tired, but from, get myself into a really stronger place. Mm. But it's nice to be around people that, that, that I, do, I do feel understood, which is sometimes annoying when you're getting, you get clipped either side and there's a sound bite. You go, oh, that just adds to the, yeah. the moronic side of this vacuous, you know, willing to just get that clickbait and not actually have context either side that creates an actual good conversation. Mm. Yeah. Harry, looking forward to the chat going back. Yeah, but you've done everything. We've you've, got great art. You've done yeah. everything. And There's you just a few really little bits. Just seeing yeah. you and seeing the fire in your eyes, which I can see, you have everything it takes to make a difference. But you could also realize in the next 10 years, you could be absolutely bona fide, untouchable. And if somebody mentioned, oh, what about the likes? You could absolutely laugh your ass off <laughs> because you don't care because you are a bona fide contributor yeah. to the arts. You have to make that decision. Mm. And you also got to unbridle him if you want him to do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but there's a force in both of you. Are, absolutely, you're right. They're completely is. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's really healthy, I think, mm. is what I feel. Yeah. We, um, we love to do a quick fire round okay. on the show. Um, surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so there's one more question I'm actually really fascinated on your take on this where do you think we are in the world right now with masculinity okay <laughs> Jesus this is probably the most important thing to me right now I think that listen Me Too movement was a necessity it happened at the right time but then like all things sometimes it can get outplayed and I think that when a man any man good man gets tarred with any brush that he has nothing to do with his criminal and, and women too and my grandfather and my mother taught me about gentleman culture. Way more than Me Too. Me Too thing just made me see certain characters being illuminated as they should have been. But now we're entering into a place where, and I'll stand my ground on this, and, and you know, you'll get people trying to you know, shout you down on it. But when it comes to the well-being of men, I feel very connected to that subject. Because I want men to feel good about themselves. Something I say on my tour, I say to the gentlemen in the audience, I say, fellas, do me a favor. Continue to keep opening the doors for the ladies. And obviously ladies, that's great. And I mean what I say. But then I say, but ladies, when we do say thank you, we're not hitting on you. Mm. That, that's my grandfather opening that door. That's my mother opening the door for you. So... Why do I love doing what I do when people come to my shows? The fellas come dressed to the nines. Fellas come in the suits, right? They, mm. they, they come in their tuxes. Mm. And very often they come and just hang out and want to listen to some good swing, good, good soul, pop music, and just and come out and be with one of the lads. I want to be one of this country's gentlemen, and I want to be one of this country's optimists. But part of that is I want men to start feeling good about themselves again without the attachment to anyone else. If I'm part of that uh, force that want, um, want men to feel good about themselves without feeling predatory, feeling good about yourself, feeling handsome, feeling fit, feeling strong, has nothing to do with the opposite sex or the same sex. It has nothing to do with what anything but yourself. 
And that is why I want to tap into, because I think the generalization is criminal. Because when you listen to the minority, it's a really healthy thing, because you get to see the temperature of often what, how the people that are not being heard, to listen to them and actually make change from them is very important, but not at the expense of the majority, because that's equally as criminal. That's criminal not hearing, listen to the majority. Mm. But we, we, we have somehow, the hammer is lighter than the feather. It's, it's a strange thing, you know, it's like, it's, it's, no, no, we've got to balance this. We've got to listen to the minority and the majority. We can't silence people and think just because there's more of you, you're going to be okay. That's not how it works. That's not how mental health works. If the majority is in pain, you have to listen to them as well. Mm. And I will go out on a limb always and say it. I will always say there are beautiful men and women out there that just believe in kindness, believe in respect. You know, I do believe you must treat people, men and women, with respect, with kindness and decency. We all know certain predatory people and they're not fun to be around. Mm. You know, it's just not, I know. All of the fellas in my life, all of the fellas, me included, we're all highly respectful and take great deep pride in being gentlemen. I would imagine your father taught you that more than the, 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 the movement. Yeah. You know, I think the movement makes you socially want to say, yes, I'm all about it, which I am, but in a calm, reserved state with no fear, and that's obviously an operative word as well, without fear, what can I actually say that I actually truly believe in? It's what my mother and my grandfather taught me. Certainly when, as a man, treat women with absolute respect. The strongest human in my life is my mum. She's passed away now, but I feel observed by her every day. I feel observed by her while I'm talking to you. I always want to make her proud. Always. And I think that we must start being less afraid of each other. You should be able to compliment somebody from a very complimentary only place. Notice how I'm even, I'm watching my words now because yeah. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I'm not going to say the wrong thing. But I'm talking about complimenting somebody or saying you look beautiful or, mm. you know, let's hug me mm. platonically with an educational kind of sophistication that that goes along with hugging somebody. You know, I'm pretty sure we're going to have a good hug. Like this. <laughs> it doesn't mean I want to go out on a date with you. No. You know, it means that I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm my wife I'm, would be happy with that. I'm, exactly. <laughs> my missus wouldn't be. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, the masculine moment over just then, it, the, the reality is that we are... Uh, we must hug. I honestly believe, to say almost as far as it's, it's, it's essential to the, to the human race is to be more comfortable with each other mm. and have those boundaries of respect in place, obviously. But let's not talk about men like they have, they have these vacuous morons that don't know what respect is. Mm. Of course we know what respect is. Yeah. Yes, there are people that don't, but are you a gentleman? I try every day to be kind, to say nice things to people. I always open the door for people, men and women, always do it. Don't think anything of it. Um, I probably wasn't raised to be a gentleman in the way you were. My dad was a bit more rough and raw. 
Um, I try every day to, to do nice things for people and, and be nice to people. Yeah. Not just about being nice, it's about chivalry. Yeah. I'm talking about chivalry probably is what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, I always drive my wife whenever we go for dinner. I always open the door for her, I always compliment her. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I guess I'd never identify with being a gentleman. Um, but actually, maybe I am now you've said that. Yeah. yeah. A gentleman is, is you know, it's, 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 it's a cultural thing, I think. I like the whole term gentleman culture. As in, listen, my granddad was an East London boy, a, bo- uh, a boxer, he was a builder, a builder in the gunner in the Second World War. He was a builder and a foreman, uh, and a foreman. And after my nana died, he became a healer. And he was a very, very tough East London boy. But he would always say, use, just use the word gentleman, son. Mm. And I think it's a, you get a manicure. It's not a metrosexual act. Metro is metropolitan, which is, talks about the space where we are, and, and sexual, uh, is sexuality. A gentleman goes to get a manicure. End up. My own nails no, are unclear. I'm not saying, yeah. I'm not saying that, that you have to, but I'm yeah. saying it's not a metrosexual. No. It's a gentleman. Yeah. Okay, straight. Whatever your preference is, that's still an act of being a gentleman. Mm. Doesn't have to be attached to sexuality or, no. or the, your urban environment. Yeah. I'm really glad I asked that question. You're very passionate about this one, aren't I am. you? Yeah. Um, Do you think masculinity has been a bit under attack? You think? I think you're asking. <laughs> well, I'm me. asking you. Yeah. you. In fact, you've gone bright red. <laughs> I think that you know the answer to that question. Of course, it has. Yeah, I think that there's, but there's certain men that can can calmly keep their masculinity. I'm one of them. You seem like one of them. Mm. Don't have to, you know. People can say what they want about you. It's unfortunate that we can't control that culture, but the way that I operate, I'm proud of how I operate, mm. and. Um, yeah, there's a deep masculinity in me, and I like it. I love mm. being a man. Mm. Imagine saying that in this day and age. I love being a fella. I think it's a great thing. I love when my girl feels safe because mm. of me. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean that she can't create her own safety. That would that goes without saying. But if I'm part of that because of my mindset and how I like to operate, mm. I'm the same way. Open the doors. Sure, you know, if I'm somewhere, I'll, I'll get a dinner even if I'm not in the same country. Yeah, I mean, I just, I like being that guy. Because the only option is not being that, the only other option is not being that guy and not having that joy of making somebody feel that you, you're in control and mm. you've, got your, you've got your shit together. Mm. Would you say you're a disruptor? This show is called Disruptors and we want to drill in a bit more on that. Would you say you're a disruptor? I think back in the day, uh, so I want to say this, so Sitting, sitting next to your, so Harry. So Harry. So sitting next to Harry is my manager, Chris. Chris's father managed me when I was a kid. So I was discovered by his father as a singer and as a songwriter with my brother as musicians. We were not, we were not put together. We were discovered by his father. Now, cut to today. When I, was, when I was on TV recently, I worked with his son. And then as a consequence, and through just many wonderful sliding doors, we started to work together. 
back in the day, I think that we were all of us disruptors. We were all scar boys. We all were stay press and and loafers and listen to madness and spe- and the specials and we would be bombing around in our in our BMXs and just jumping off in our bowler hats and just getting up to no good. But we love ska music, but we also love dancing. We'd go down the school disco and dance the ska music. That's what ska did for us. It got us out of our homes, it got us socialising. And then along came the new romantics, Duran Duran. We loved Duran Duran. We went to the Hippodrome, New Romantics with the Barnet and all the you know, all the other garden just sorry. We went to the, the Hippodrome and we had the time of our lives. We were, I was in a band since I was 12, and in the band with some of the people we went to school and it ended up, you know, custom fitted to myself, my brother and Craig. But we used to rehearse in his father's summer house, and that's what was our last name before we came to band. When you're, so we were the boys, you know, Chris would tell you, me and my brother were definitely tough boys at our school. We got into endless fights and often would. You know, our mutual friend Lloyd, I ended up, the reason he became my mate, Lloyd became my mate, is because I beat up the guy that was beating him up. So that's who we were. We were Gosh Brothers. So, and I'm not just overplaying it, but we were proper tough nuts at the yeah. school. Then you get screamed at, and then you get, it's, it's like being waxed on the 40 year old virgin. It's like, <laughs> you've got no talent, you're not a disruptor. You're not a contributor, you're just a, 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 you know, a made pop band and you're in a band called Ross and you're getting screamed at all over the world with massive number one records globally. But that couldn't be further from the truth. So the reason I mention all that stuff is because you start, you get discovered the correct way as a band, managed by a proper manager. You know, he was a grown up, you know, sadly he passed and but a very, very deep influence in my heart. We have all this beautiful history, then, but now what comes in is I see this PC world that we're living in, and I, the long, long answer is that I find myself, I guess I am becoming a disruptor again, in the fact that just by speaking your mind is a risky thing. Um, but I will always, always hope that I come across as a gentleman um, and somebody that, that wants to, as I say, contribute to something that if we can shine light on something with your forum, and it can even create some debate, if, as long as you don't edit me like I'm some donut. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I am a, a, a subject to this edit. Mm. So we shall see, you know. Mm. Um, but in regards to wanting to be a little bit of a disruptor, I guess I, me and all the fellas around me, I think, I think we all are legitimately in our own way. We are all the boys and we mm. are, you know, you grew up in Peckham and you grew up in Camberwell and you grew up in Camberley. And, and you go to a school that was not the, the best school and you get in a load of fights and, you know, I, I guess I always want to be that guy. I don't want to be conformist, you know, not for the sake of not being a conformist, but I don't find myself conforming mm. to a lot of stuff. Mm. Who is the greatest performer ever and why? Oh, great question. I think it's probably, I would say Elvis Presley because he wasn't surrounded by like shows and big samples. He's, he just had that charisma to me. He just had that charisma on stage where he could come out on any stage with one light and that's Elvis Presley. He just had this, to me, just the greatest entertainer that, that, that ever lived. I think he is that, he is that man to me, Elvis. Mm. 
one million pound cash or one million engaged fan social media followers, which one do you take and why? So the one million engaged loyal fans because you can go on one hell of a journey together. You can turn up. I've done this going to Vegas. I've seen, you know, we tell you on the tour, I'll say, Who, anyone can see me in Vegas? You know, 11 years. You know, you can create, you know, I always say, people ask me recently, what would you, what would you want to be remembered as? And I said, the maker of memories. Mm. I pulled a lot of people all over the world and into different venues, the different experiences, to different shows. Um, yeah, I'll take the million, mm. million fans. Can money buy happiness? Money can definitely buy happiness to a certain point. But if you don't have people that really love you and people that you can show your love for, it doesn't add up to a lot. Mm. I don't think it adds up to a lot. I think peace of mind is completely invaluable. It's invaluable, peace of mind. And I don't know many people that have peace of mind. I, can, I don't know if I know anyone that has peace of mind. So I think that's the great alluring kind of, you know, compass point for us as people, mm. as human beings. Is if you can acquire peace of mind, you're a rich man. What would you regard as your biggest mistake? Hmm. Like your questions. Um, Trusting the wrong people, but that has also illuminated the fact that I still trust people, which is really nice that I'm still able to trust people. Mm. Through the betrayal that I have experienced is otherworldly sometimes, I think. It's felt otherworldly. The fact that I still have my heart is really pure in the fact that I still love to trust. That's, that is the illumination I get from the pain. Mm. And what would you say is your biggest regret? I think my biggest regret is not having my mum here right now in the fact that she said to me before she died, you're not just my son, you're my best friend. If I had been in this country or figured things out sooner, although we spoke every day, I think I would have just insisted to keep her healthier and you know I could have really have done with her for this move and have my friend with me um, my biggest regret is the loss of my mother it's just I don't know you know you beat yourself up as a son I think that you could have done things differently people say I couldn't but my biggest regret is not just maybe having the intuition to just maybe just say look let's get you checked out this you know five years earlier mm. What's your most brutal life lesson? I think for me, um, I don't know if it's necessarily for myself, but I wish I could implant my feelings and the people that I love and let them know that we're just simply not immortal. I often hear people say, when I do this, when I do this, I'm going to do that. When I do this, I'm going to do that. But I really, really know that m many of us are not going to get to do that, whatever that is, just do it now. Do it now. Because my sister was killed at 18 years old. 
by a drunk driver. So I have proof and an, an ever occurring truth that there would I would have been an uncle probably, I would have had nieces and nephews, I'd have, I'd have had a best friend in Karen. But we are so frivolous. We're frivolous. Do it now. Or I would say, whatever it is, do it now. I have f***ing loved this conversation. Really loved it. I'm so grateful. This has been amazing. I'm buzzing. Mm -hmm. Matt, thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.